Welcome to this episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. Here with my co-host, Coach Dean Manchi, who uh, is getting ready to be wheels up to Jamaica here. Going to be taking a little trip with the family. He'll be back when this uh, episode drops. But Coach, you're getting ready to unwind a little bit, huh? Yeah, it's a great time to recharge your batteries, and it's always exciting. And anytime I can give my undivided attention to the people that are really important in my life, that is a huge competitive yep. advantage to making sure the marriage is, is going smooth. <laughs> is it just you and Tracy going? We are, and we are going with another couple. So nice. you know that uh, it always, always works good. out. Be a great time. That's always good. Well, summer training is up and rolling. Uh, our Coach's Edge platform is going to drop this week for our consulting. So those of you that are still interested in that, give us a give us a holler. Uh, the schools we got working with us right now are absolutely dominating their summer programs. Coaches are doing an incredible job. Uh, the one kudos I'd want to throw out there is to all of our coaches that are we're consulting with, getting a lot of questions on a daily basis, uh, making adjustments, things like that for their scenarios. So uh, just really happy with the way that program is going, Dean. Um, you know, our coaches are really embracing the growth mindset to try and get better and to provide for the kids at their high school. So that's, we're really excited about the way that's going. And that program is only going to keep growing for us across the state of Wisconsin. Um, let's bring on our host or our, let's bring on our guest here, coach Bill Richards from Concordia university, uh, throws coach. Uh, Bill is a, a good friend of both Dean and mine. And, um, we interacted with him over the years and, you know, when trying to find the right time to bring him on. So coach, you're at your cabin right now, enjoying a little downtime. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Maybe give our listeners a little background on yourself, your coaching and things like that. Sure. Uh, so as a high school athlete, uh, was a three-sport athlete, uh, football, basketball, track at Sheboygan North High School, uh, was one of the shorter guys on the basketball team at maybe six foot. Um and for those of you who've been around long enough, uh, if you remember the movie, White Man Can't Jump, that was me. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time in the weight room squatting, trying to get stronger so I could get off the ground. Um, but football was really my love. Uh, so uh, went from there to Stevens Point, played football. Uh, as a side note, and we'll hear more about it later. Uh, my throws coach in high school was a VHS tape for four years. So uh, okay. that's how how I learned and, and, and tried to improve and get better, uh, played linebacker for a couple of years at Stevens point and a couple of years as offensive line. And from there, uh, went into the working world. Uh, and we work for a company that does data processing out of Milwaukee for lots of banks, but, uh, wanted to stay involved with coaching. So then, uh, went back to my alma mater at Sheboygan North and was a volunteer assistant for a year there. And then uh, ended up coaching for 10 years at Ozaki High School in football. And while I was there, they asked me, you know, hey, you threw in high school. You want to be a throws coach? I'm like, okay. It wasn't anywhere on my radar. And 25 years later, I'm still coaching the throws and no longer coaching football. So I've progressed from there. That's awesome. Now, Bill, maybe talk a little bit about your scenario, um, maybe some different advantages and disadvantages. <laughs> of not being in the building uh, during the day as a coach? So I think the advantages are kind of small. I think there's probably more disadvantages, but the way I look at it is it's someone different for the kids to talk to. Uh, they don't see the teacher or the person. Uh, I have no clue when I walk into practice what's occurred during the day. So 
in some cases, it, it I think it's easier for them to talk to, to someone else that they aren't going to have to deal with during the day. So I think that helps from that perspective. Um, the disadvantages, though, I think are, are harder to overcome. You know, recruiting, seeing the kids every day, um, you know, having a Dean Matchy knocking on, tapping me on my shoulder five days a week saying, hey, you ought to come out and throw right, uh, or come lift. You know, that's not there. I think building the relationship with the athletes is a little harder. Again, you don't have that day-to-day or, you know, once every couple day interaction and even knowing what's going on in the day. So you walk into practice, if you've been in the building, you know everything that's happened for the most part and you can hit the ground running where I've got to kind of do a decompress to figure that out. Bill, uh, talking about that VHS tape, I'm sure you still probably have that in the uh, <laughs> growing track and field library, I'm sure. But how, how things have changed during our coaching careers, being that the internet, you know, and YouTube, and there's just so many different types of options out there, opportunities for individuals to get some kind of education on the throwing events. But let's talk about, you know, you do so much in the state for the sport of track and field, and you have such a huge passion, not only for track and field, but especially the throwing events. And and you've been on the W, uh, you've been on the WIA board, correct? as far as Wisconsin yep. State Chairman, and why is this so important to you, and what can people do if they're interested in helping out in these type of positions or these type of opportunities that come up? So I, in my case, it's kind of grown over time. I think similar to a lot of other people, when I started out, you know, I just wanted to learn learn and be prepared in the throws, and, and Jack Rowerdink, who was at Oostburg High School, said, hey, I, I think you could help out and uh, – at a Wistica clinic and went from just being a person in the audience to uh, representing our district to being the president uh, and, and working on the throws as well. So, you know, as a throws coach, you can help so many kids. I mean, however many kids you directly work with, but within Wistica, I can help impact more coaches, which, you know, flows out to more athletes. So if we have 200, 250 throws coaches in a session and, and have a great speaker and, and they walk away with a couple of great nuggets and improve, I think over time that that builds up. And if you take a look over the last couple of years, we've had a bunch of athletes at a national level that have done really, really well. I mean, we've got two throwers who were top two in the nation in the discus uh, and they're both juniors coming back. So again, uh, and then the number one shot putter who happens, you know, happens to live in your neck of the woods that you have to deal with on a pretty regular basis. So I think if you look at the length of the track season, we only have a 13 week season. It's one of the shortest in the U S to have that level of success. Um, yes, the kids are working hard, but you've got to have great coaches. So that's kind of the, the philosophy I've used as far as how can you get involved, you know, go to the Wistica website and shoot an email. My email's out there. We certainly want to, you know, people want to be involved. We want to have them in uh, and, and try to improve the the sport as much as we can. Dean, we've got to make sure that we include that website. We get that Absolutely. website so we Absolutely. can include it in the show notes for all of our coaches. Go ahead, Doc. And one thing, Brian, too, is, you know, I, I can contest to this as, as Bill has done and an incredible job of getting just unbelievable speakers in at that Wistica clinic. And I know he spends a ton of time because as we converse, on a weekly basis and we constantly see you know a lot of these individuals that come in and speak it's it's a lot of phone calls it's a lot of texts it's a lot of you know emails it, it's and bill just does whatever he can to get the best quality 
people in and to do whatever he can to really help the sport. So I know Wisco is an unbelievable organization, you know, working with the WIA. Obviously, when you're at the state track meet, Brian, which you have been to, you yeah. understand, you know, with all the people, it takes so many volunteers and so many people in positions that Bill was in to really make the sport of track and field what it is today in the state of Wisconsin. Well, I think, I think too, Dean, now, I, you know, I talk with you on a regular basis, but Bill, maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, track, you know, throwing especially is such a technical sport, right? You don't just pick it up and just heave it as far as you can, especially now with strength and conditioning being such an integral role in, in all athletes training. It's not just a football thing anymore. All, everybody's training. And so now you got everybody strong and, you know, the separator obviously in, in any sport really is how good your technique is. Maybe give some of our coaches out there just some some get your edge nuggets on how to learn some of these techniques or you know how to build your your technical repertoire with with while you're coaching so i think it it kind of if i go back to what i did and and spin it forward to today i think it depends how you like to learn uh for me i i like to see it done i like you know watching a video is great but i i want to understand what the person is thinking and, and teaching so uh, a couple of things I did and, and selfishly took advantage of it is when I had to get speakers in for Wistica, I magically had connections to people at, outside of the state at a collegiate or high school level uh, that I would reach out to and, and foster that relationship, seek them out. But also, if we look at our state, you know, we have some gr a ton of great college coaches. Uh, the WIAC has phenomenal coaches, and most of those coaches put on a throws camp and or part of an overall track clinic somewhere right near the start of the season go seek them out watch what they do see how they teach look at their progressions um, if you have a coach in the area you know if you're near darboy you know call the guy at darboy university and find <laughs> out if you can swing by one of their practices um, you know as a side note uh, brian the toughest person i ever had to get to speak it took 12 years of calling and getting no's before they finally would speak Guess who that was? Who's that? Darboy University. Imagine. That you? Imagine who that would be. 12 years. I said yes right away to come speak. I'm just, yeah, yeah Grace, I'm not afraid to share my knowledge. I wanted to check out Bill's perseverance. <laughs> yeah, huh? I'll tell you, he persevered and I gave in. And I'm, I'm glad I did. It was awesome to share with him, our state and, and such a great organization like Wistica. Yeah. It was a, an unbelievable experience. Thanks but again, Bill, for asking. Well, Bill, you bring up a great point, too, just to kind of interject a little bit. And this is something that we do with our interns and, like, our assistants is that everybody learns differently. Mm -hmm. And, and the, I think the first key for a new coach is figuring out how you learn the best. Like, is it going to be video? Is it going to be face-to-face? -face? Is it getting on the phone? Is it going to a clinic? Things like that. We do that with our interns. I mean, we take two to three weeks, you know, and give them different assignments of, of reading, speaking, just to find out how they actually learn and absorb knowledge the best. I think from a coaching standpoint, you have to identify that right away. What's, what's the way that I'm going to get the most out of, you know, whatever scenario I'm in and really try and maximize my opportunities. I think you bring up a great point with that. Right. And, and I think too, you know, you have the college coaches, but then like in my case, as I said earlier, Jack Rowerdink at Oostberg, give them a call and see. I, I haven't met too many uh, too many high school throws coaches that aren't afraid to share what they know. 
Um, it's a little different in the football arena because there's the secret sauce somewhere. Um, I, I think thrills coaches are pretty open and, and will share whatever they, they want and, and see, and, you know, take them out for dinner and, and talk through things. I mean, I, again, I've had people call me from other States and I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll talk through it with you. It doesn't, if I can help the sport improve, that's the goal at the end of the day. Bill, and I think, you know, a big point of that being a big football guy, all my career is track and field. It just, there, there is a team component to it, but it seems like it's so individual and if people that are passionate about track and field and passionate about the throws, just want to see people throw far and right. kind of like everybody's cheering everybody on. And there, there isn't that, Hey, we're not going to say this, for example, in, in some of the team sports, such as, you know, for let's use football for an example is that hey, nobody wants to share what they're doing because, Hey, we want to beat this team and this is our rival and everything else. So that's one of the best things I loved about track and field is, you know, everybody's just pulling for everybody and yeah, everybody wants to win. But it's just awesome to see kids who are obviously improve, first of all, and then throw as far as they can humanly throw. Agreed. Well, and I think, I think too, if you're a coach, like that's part of your responsibility is to help educate younger coaches to make the sport or, you know, training or whatever better for longer term for, for younger athletes as well. You know, so if you're a coach and you're not, offering some of the you know knowledge or success that you've had to your younger coaches um i think you're really doing coaching in general as a disservice because at the end of the day you know from from my arena i mean there there's no secrets in strength and conditioning anymore right there's not a lot of secrets in throwing anymore but there is ways to help communicate and do things better and at the end of the day like you you should want the athletes to have the best opportunity to have success, whether it's at your school or not. Agreed. I, I think helping the kids have success and then hopefully down the road, they, they may get involved in coaching. They'll be prepared to do a great job. Yeah. Bill, let's talk about that experience of coaching both your son and daughter at the high school level. What was that experience like? And then let's talk about, you know, that transition period where they go to college and now you're a lot more hands-off how difficult is that as a parent and as a parent coach to your kids and still be able there be, to be there and support them during that what four-year, five-year progress? Yeah, it, it was different for each of my kids. My son, um, I never directly coached him. Uh, he, I was at Homestead coaching at that point, so he would come down and, and practice with the Homestead kids here and there. And uh or come and practice with me afterwards. And that was great. Um, it, it was, I think a lot of fun to help him progress and see him succeed. Uh, not being his direct coach also gave me the liberty to do some other things, but again, having that, that love of the throws and years of background helped in that case, in case of my daughter, she didn't have a coach her senior year. So I left Homestead, uh, and went there and I was her direct coach. And I can tell you the first two weeks were a little rough. Um, she felt I wasn't giving her enough eye time. And I thought I was giving her roughly the same amount of time as the other kids. Uh, so we had to have that discussion. And once we had that discussion, it was smooth sailing from there. But uh, it's a lot of fun to have to work with your kids, especially, you know, that final year. 
then you see them go off to high school or off to college. And then it's like, okay, I have to be hands off. I have to let them build that relationship with the coach. I can't interject myself in any way, shape or form. I just need to be a supportive parent. Even if I didn't necessarily agree with everything I was seeing, I had to kind of bite my lip, be quiet and, and let the two of them figure it out and work it out. Um, you don't ever want to get in the way between someone who's, you know, that's their full-time job is to help your kid get there. You're not there at every practice. So you have to assume and believe that they're doing everything they can in their power to help them succeed. I mean, I want to put a nice plug in for Ripon university. I mean, from the experience I had with Cameron there, I mean, coach Ernst and, and now coach Marshall, they do an incredible job with that balance, right. Uh, of making sure that your son from a football standpoint is really well taken care of, you know, as a human being, um, he's getting a great experience, but at the end of the day, separating that, uh, separating that parent-son, you know, relationship out, and football is football, and let us do our job, and and we're gonna, you know, trust us that we're gonna have the best interests of the team uh, at heart. And I think, in general, like all coaches are like that. I think really all coaches, you know, across the board, they want what's best for the kids, but they also want what's best for the team. So I think right. a lot of times. <clears throat> parents get caught up in all that well they're not the, why aren't we doing this why aren't we doing this i mean we can go up and down the you know that's what's so nice about track right i mean the numbers don't lie you know what i mean it, yep. he, that's that's why i think you guys are in a in a great situation right like this kid throws the farthest he's the guy who's throwing in the meat you know what i mean this girl runs the fastest or jumps the highest she's the run running the meat you know that's i think track allows coaches to just say here you go. Here are the results. These are the people we're going with um, and things like that. Yeah. Go ahead, Bill. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I haven't ever met a coach that said, yep, I want to, I want to take it, take your child on and uh, put them in the worst place possible. I mean, they're there to try to help the kid be successful and, and, you, you just, in my case, I just need to relax and let it play out. And, and in both cases, they had, you know, very, very successful college careers and they're both off into the, to the world. Uh, my son's working now uh, for an IT company in, in uh, Woodstock, Illinois. My daughter's actually out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, fighting wildland fires at the moment. So all sorts of different things going on. The, the other thing too, is, is when we talk about, you know, all of us, all three of us had the opportunity to coach our sons. And, you know, I, my daughter didn't do any athletics as far as where I, I had to coach. She was very involved with dance and, and that definitely wasn't my expertise. I know you guys are a little oh. shocked, but I, <laughs> really? I have much to say with the, with the dance, but um, what I think <laughs> parents got to understand or even coaches, because I think coaches can be very opinionated. And when you, you tend to look and, you know, just think from a thrower standpoint, you know, we can go and we can go to a meet and say, oh, geez, that kid's doing this, that kid's doing that, this kid's doing that. Or Brian, you know, your, your baseball experience and your football experience, hey, you know, that kid's holding the bat wrong. They're not doing this right. They're not doing that right. And all the other things. But when I think you have to deal with coaching your own son or daughter, that is a very difficult situation to be in. And, and, and it happens everywhere because, you know, let's face it, youth programs need volunteer coaches, and that many a times is the parents that are involved. And what I think one thing that really can help you, especially for those non-teachers, is to get with other people and find 
people that you can confide in and go over different things that come up in those situations. And like you said, Bill, you had to have that conversation. And I remember many times, you know, it's, it's different if you're, you're an athlete and dad's a coach, you know, and I think we talked about it, Brian, as many times we think, Hey, you know, we feel that we're favoring your son or your, or the, their parent is favoring their daughter. So I think it's being able to get in with other coaches that have gone through that, I think has made myself a better coach at the times because now you can talk about things that are relatable. And I think that's very important. We talked, we had Jerry Kaminsky on who coach Bot is that um, does a lot of stuff with Sun Prairie East football. And he made a great uh, point in his, as his wife is the one that actually said, Hey, you know, Jerry, you need to back off here a little bit. You're treating Brian. yourself different. Brian, Brian, Brian. Brian, I need to say that. Jerry's son. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. And I thought, and, and on, it was kind of a wake up call. And I think we have some listeners out there that I know are moms because I, I get a lot of positive feedback. And I think, you know, as a parent, sometimes, you know, when you're the mom and maybe the dad is coaching or vice versa, it puts, you know, you might have to say something too. And, and we talk about, you know, kids getting uncomfortable in athletics and in the weight room in order to grow. But I think we have to do that when we're in a per parental role as well. And so I, you know, I really challenge our parents out there to make sure that you are doing everything you can to give your son and daughter, son or daughter the best, you know, situation or the best experience that they can have. Bill, hey, uh, you know, you've been around for a while. You've had a lot of success, a lot of experience. But you, you know, you have that growth mindset. What drives you to keep, you know, keep learning and keep growing as a coach? I mean, I think we got a lot of young coaches that listen to our podcast, but we got a lot of vets too. And uh, how do you not let yourself get complacent? So I, I think it's a couple of things. I think in my case, as I mentioned earlier, my high school culture, that VHS tape, you know, I walked away going, hey, I, I really don't, you know, my first track coaching or throws coaching position, I was like, okay. I know how to throw it, but how do you teach it? So I, I took it. I took the perspective that said, Hey, I want my kids to succeed. I want them to have fun, enjoy themselves. And I, I say this today, you know, the first day of practice, my goal is to help you succeed because if you're successful, I'll be successful. So uh, in order to do that, I've got to continue to get better. I've got to look for different ways to improve, uh, put more uh, ideas into my little black bag, you know, a different term, a different technique, a, a different drill. Uh, so constantly looking to get better. Um, the way I look at it, and you guys have said before, I'm either getting better or I'm getting worse. So I, I really don't want to be on the getting worse side as long as I can control that. Uh, and again, if the kids have a successful time, they learn and understand what's going on. Maybe down the road, they'll be a coach and they'll have some of those tools already in their pocket to help them succeed. You know, Brian, the one thing I've noticed when, I am uh, coaching with with Bill and helping athletes get better is just his tremendous passion to help everybody become the best version of themselves. And he's not afraid to try a different drill or try a different concept or really try to find out what makes that more, you know, that athlete tick. And I think that that that's so important today in coaching because I think so many young coaches, they, the, the textbook says this, well, the textbook isn't, there's no one size fits all for every athlete. And we know because of ability levels and, and different le 
lever links and strength levels and everything else. I think that's the best thing with Bill is he goes, hey, let's try this. If it doesn't work, hey, I'm going to go to this. And he's got so many tools in his toolbox. He's constantly trying to get better. I know I'm getting texts all the time or we see the video. I see a video. We're going back and forth. And then, hey, what do you see? And then I ask Bill, what do you see? And then it's so awesome because we challenge each other as coaches in order to keep growing. So when we talk about that growth mindset, my my message to a lot of coaches out there, find people that aren't just always going to agree with you. Right. And, you know, find out, like Bill says, why do you do that? You know, and, and that's one thing Bill always challenges me is, okay, what why are you doing that? What What's the purpose of that drill? You know, where's your next step? What do you try to fix first? Because they're doing eight different things wrong. You know, what is your idea of what to attack first? And I think that really helps coaches. And I think it helps athletes try to figure out technical sports and technical events such as track and field. Next, advice. This is big right here. So we talk about get your edge advice. And I know Bill is an avid podcast listener. And I, I know he's always, when he's calling me, he's talking about it. Hey, I love this guest. And I really like what that person said. So it's your turn, Bill. You got the microphone. What advice do you have for throwers that really get anxious or nervous before they throw? So we're taking it. We want to get your edge advice specifically now. For those people that really get anxious or nervous before those big meets, because now all eyes on them. You know, I think the big thing is, uh, and I've had it, you know, several different times, different athletes, male and female, where they're like, oh, I just can't, you know, I, I they, it's like they're missing the confidence level. So we'll play games and practice um, where, you know, I'll go out and mark lines out and, okay, you've got three throws if you can't hit this distance you're out, you don't make it to finals and get that to be a, a routine, a normal occurrence for them. Uh, magically, each time we do it, that line gets six inches, 10 inches further out. And before they know it, they're throwing, you know, significantly farther than they normally throw in practice. The other thing I try to do too, is find competitions that aren't the state meet, but have great competition and get them into that so that they have that experience under pressure, what it's like. Um, if I go back and, and Dean will attest to this, uh, I enjoyed when I was at Homestead running the big man meet, which we tried to bring in the, the top throwers for guys from around the state um, and have basically a mini state meet where this was it. And it was all divisions It you know, we didn't differentiate what division you were in. You threw if you were in division three, you threw against the division one guys did the same thing for the women just to give them that opportunity. And I think those are, are the experiences that you can build off of then. So when it gets to be the state meet, it's, it's a non-event. You've seen these people, you've been right next to them uh, and that helps them have that confidence. The other thing we try to do is a routine. You know, you talk about basketball, what's your free throw routine? Same thing. Doesn't matter where it is. Do it the same way every time. So that would I be think, my suggestions. Yeah. I think the routine is, but like, like you guys said, put yourself in competitive situations, you, you know, before the actual competition hits, because now it's just like part of what they do, because then they can calm and, and everything slows down. You know, there's right. a great, great story about Joe Montana for our podcast listeners who remember Joe Montana. 
um, when they were playing the Bengals in the Super Bowl, and there was like three minutes left, and they were down by, you know, whatever, and they needed a touchdown. He comes in the huddle, and he looks around. He says, is that John Candy in the stands? So, like, with three minutes left, the most important drive of his life, he was that, you know, ready for that moment that he was so calm and and just kind of relaxed, and this is just something we do. And I think the best, you know, athletes always have that ability to do that. And I think coaches, I think that's a great – way to do it, Bill. And I know Dean does that as well. Is put your kids in scenarios that are hard for them. You know, if, if their goal is to make it to date or whatever, like you have to constantly be prepping them in April and May, you know, in scenarios that are hard for them in order to do that. Well, we're going to do a double dose here, Dean. Um, Bill, give us your competitive advantage or get your edge advice um, for just any athlete listening right now. Talked about it a little bit before we got on the air and I thought you had some great ideas. So I want to Make sure we get that out there too. You know, listening to all the different podcasts and, and people have heard, you know, varying degrees of what I'm going to say or have shared that with you. I really think, you know, don't worry about others. Worry about yourself. Focus on you. Get yourself ready. You know, make sure you're getting enough rest. Getting enough sleep uh, helps with the recovery. Make sure you're eating right. Stay hydrated. Take care of what you can take care of and believe that you're ready to go. And that's all you can do. What others do is what others do. And some days your best will be better than theirs. And some days it won't, but get yourself ready to rock and roll uh, in whatever sport you're in. So you're prepared to give it your best effort. And if your best effort isn't enough, that's all anybody, any parent or any coach can I ever ask for. That's awesome. Anything else, Dino? No, uh, Brian, I tell you, one of the bills ran that big man invite yeah. for many, many, many years at Homestead. And I know up in the Valley here, we would drive down for that. And he just ran an incredible meet. And I'll just never forget the time where there was four guys that threw over 60 feet. One of them was a guy that I coach at Oshkosh North, who you know, Brian, really well as Brandon Houle. Oh, yeah who just recently ended up coaching Oshkosh North for the first time. So he was the thrower of mine, and, and we just had an unbelievable experience. And it's cool as a coach when kids that threw for you are now coaches, and Bill kind of mentioned that and, and giving back to the sport. But also, you know, there was a guy named Joe Thomas that was one of those guys that threw over 60 feet as well. And it's kind of ironic that when we had Joe Thomas on our podcast, Brian, is. Brandon and Joe Thomas both threw at NC State yeah. uh, way back in the time. And I remember when Joe was speaking at the Wistica, when you were speaking at the Wistica Clinic, and Joe was introducing you before that. I met Joe in a parking lot to get him in the right spot and everything like that. But we were talking about that great experience. And then Brandon ended up throwing at Wisconsin with Joe yep. when Joe did the football and the track thing. Uh, therefore, when he was, you know, a freshman and so on, and just so, super cool. And now, obviously, you got some big news with Joe and that you're going to be um, doing a little celebration with, I'm sure, oh, yeah. big uh, ceremony coming up. You well, want to hit on that? Yeah, we're really excited, obviously, um, to have a member of our Sports Advantage ownership team inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And... And also, you know, be a part of our new Menominee Falls uh, location that we just opened up. That's right by his home in Brookfield. And, you know, the the best part about Joe, you know, outside of the football players, he's such a great dude. I mean, he is just a down-to-earth Wisconsin through-and-through guy. 
hunts, fishes, grills out, you know, on the water with his kids. Farms. Uh, yeah. I mean, couldn't, couldn't be more happy. Couldn't, you know, couldn't happen to a better guy, more deserving, you know, for the work that he put in and stuff like that. It's just really neat to see um, just another example of a multi-sport athlete, you know, being ultra successful uh, in sports at the highest level. So Bill, what's your contact info for some of these coaches that may want to reach out to you? Sure. So uh, I've got a, a WIS throws at wi.rr.com uh, as an email address. Uh, but also uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, we've got CUW throws uh, for the Concordia University throws Instagram as well. So I'll post stuff about the throwers and, and track stuff there. Uh, those are kind of the big, big places for me. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you hopping on, you know, on your, on your little getaway trip that you're on there in the cabin. Uh, great, great information. Uh, really appreciate all you do for the state of Wisconsin, Bill. Um, you know, we need a lot, a lot more guys like that in our state to continue in all of our sports to continue growing for our young athletes, giving them opportunities to compete and perform. We will see you next time. Shop it.